0: to all units. This is a 3rd Alarm. Switch to the TAC Channel. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the TAC Channel. I'm your host Heath Meredith. This is the 3rd Alarm Cowboys podcast. This is the podcast for firefighters we talk about Real-life situations, everything from station life, promotions, leadership, all different types of examples, things that sometimes may be controversial, but it's things that need to be talked about because that's real life and it's things that all of us are truly dealing with, so we're going to talk about it. Guys, on the last episode, I kind of poured out my heart a little bit on where I think that we are in the fire service as far as a major discrepancy on how firefighters view our job and the way that we need to live our lives and conduct business, uh, how some of these fire chiefs view what we're doing and how how we should conduct business and what the community views uh, of firefighters and the expectations that they have on us. And there's a lot of discrepancies involving with that. Everything, you know, those three different categories, they don't always align, and I encourage you all to go back and listen to that episode. I really give the best examples I have from my personal experiences throughout my career on on some of the things that we need to work on and, and get better on. It's really it's been amazing. Some of the feedback that I've gotten, I've gotten messages from several of you that have said that it was spot on, exact uh, examples of things that you're dealing with within your department. Had a guy reach out to me and tell me that. Um, you know, he he's been in about fifteen years, and in the last five years, his department has made a, a major turn, and it's it's involving a lot of these same situations. We have some nepotism and favoritism going on. People getting promoted that uh, that don't you know don't have the same qualifications as that fifteen year guy does, and uh, I, I see it as becoming a real a potential problem for us if we don't go ahead and get ahead of it and start discussing this and those of us that are in that 10 to 20 year gap we're it you know when we came in you had those 20 year firefighters and the the word we really looked up to them they had enough time in they had enough experience they basically told the chief what was up uh i can't tell you the amount of chiefs that i've heard that been that have said you know such and such, man, he's been in this district, he's been in this station, he's been in this department 20, 25 years. He can tell me what to do because he knows what's up. Well, now we have guys that have been in 10 to 20 in that gap. The older guys are retiring. Well, that's our spot now. Most of us have that level of experience. Most of us uh, should be stepping into those uh, roles and taking on that leadership responsibility, but instead in the eyes of some of these chiefs and Uh, Some of these departments, we're still viewed as like some dumbass high school kid that just needs to shut up millennial and go sit down because there's just not the level of respect that chiefs in the past came up and they understood that that experience, that hard, salty, however you want to label it, firefighter or officer – That's been doing the job and knows the district and has promoted and and is truly an aggressive, badass firefighter is who you need to lean on as a chief. That's who you need to have in your corner to help build the department and get you going in the right direction with all your new hires, with how the community views you. Like That's truly what it means to be a firefighter, and that's the example for your department that you need to put in the forefront, not hide them away and try to write policies to make them disappear. So y'all go listen to that show and tell me what you think. You know, if there's a lot of you that have told me you completely agree, if there's some people that, you know, it may not be exactly what they, they think, then I want to know. I'd like to have a conversation. Like if that's not right up your alley and and you think that we're going the right direction with, you know, whatever it is, then let me know. Um, I'm open for a discussion. I want to know these things, but when everybody is coming to me and saying, Hey, you know, we're dealing with this and it's, it's literally putting a chain on us. We can't do our jobs. people the wrong people are promoting, blah, blah, blah. It's all I hear over and over and over again. And I've seen it over and over again in my career. It's, it's things that we need to address. I just wanted to kind of give a, a little bit of a summary on what that was about. And and yeah, y'all go listen to the episode and, and let me know what you think. But this week we got FDIC uh, 2023 going on. It kicked off. You know, I've seen some amazing shit coming out of that. FDIC is, you know, it's a it's a dream for me. I personally have not got to go. I want to. I've, I'd eventually like to go and take the third alarm cowboys and be able to be a, a representation of the third alarm cowboys at FDIC in the future. That that's one of the goals that I want to accomplish. And, uh, you know, it's always amazing information that comes out of everything from tactical stuff, operational stuff, new science and technology, leadership, you name it, it's happening up there. And I just love every bit of the stuff that comes back from that. I've got a ton of friends that are there. I've had a ton of friends that have gone over, you know, the last several years. And they always come back and they have the coolest shit to talk about. Everybody's fired up. It's just amazing information. I saw the, um, the opening speech from Chief Rhodes talking about. We're not here to fill other people's shoes. We're we're walking in our own shoes. I shared it on the Third Alarm Cowboys group. You all go listen to it. It's a it's a short little speech. It was an opening speech, and it was absolutely phenomenal. It it struck a nerve with me in a good way, in a positive way. You know, no one else, no matter who you are, no one else has your exact same story in this business. No one walks your shoes. No one's you know, you might share uh some experiences with people you made some of the same calls because you were working on the same crew and everything but everybody you know you promote and you go to this station or you know you transfer and go to that station or you came from another department like we all have a different story but so many of our stories all align and at the end of the day we all have the same goal so it's really cool that a chief of that caliber Is putting two and two together on that and, and really acknowledging and honoring the fact that we're all different and everyone has the ability to take our different experiences and our different walks of life and, and the shoes that we all wear and put it all together to make this fire service more successful and move in a positive manner. That's fucking awesome to me. And I absolutely, (laughs) I'm blown away and I'm, I'm truly relieved to hear that level of positivity coming out of a chief of that caliber, to be honest with you so y'all uh you know anybody that's not following that go go follow it on facebook because there's tons of badass tactical shit that'll come out of badass just new science technology studies you name it and they they talk about it up there there's everything from cancer prevention stuff i mean it's a huge deal for those of you that are new to the fire service that haven't ever heard of it it's just an amazing amazing thing Go check out for, you know, the guys that, that are follow on here, anybody that's really into the, uh, you know, the pipe and drums tradition of the fire service. They have a huge parade that kicks off FDIC every year, and it just gives me goosebumps every time I watch it. Uh, and it's usually live feed, but people record it, and they have it posted. You can go on there and find it. You just watch it, and it's all the different pipe and drums from from tons of different departments. They all come together, and they make a huge parade, and they come in, and it's just it's fucking awesome. It it just it gives me goosebumps even thinking about how just it's so damn cool. I've told y'all a million times I love the fire service. I really do. But uh anyway, so y'all go go uh, go follow that and check it out. That's one of the main things I wanted to share today is, is everybody needs to kind of get involved. That in that's kind of our beacon. Every year, you know, that's the big conference that everybody goes to and we kind of see in the direction that the next year is gonna go. What new information is coming out, what types of uh leadership is going to kind of come forward and and really there's a lot of people starting to talk about the things that we discuss on this podcast uh and i think that it's really cool uh i would love to be involved in some of those but i'm still a small time guy so i'm gonna have to build you know build myself up to that level to get into those rooms and have those kind of discussions but it's really cool uh of the caliber of people that are involved in uh in trying to make the fire service better it's it really is amazing Another announcement that's going on right now. We just found out yesterday that our third alarm fighter has locked in uh, for another fight. His, his fight that was scheduled for last month or, or actually for April had to be canceled. He couldn't, it, his uh, promoter and stuff couldn't get it going. So we're kind of taking over a little bit of uh, the aspects on his business side. And we're really going to start launching him forward and, and starting to give him more fights and everything like that. We're putting together a, uh, a sponsorship form. For anybody out there that listens to this that wants to sp- uh, sponsor him, it's going to be able to give you the ability to have tax write-offs and all those kind of perks of actually being a a sponsor. You know, like you're sponsoring an athlete or anything like that. That's all things that we're uh, we're going to be able to to offer through this, but. It's going to be great to to help him further along and get him get him rolling on some more fights. He's he's chomping at the bit. He's ready to go. He's kept his fitness up. It's just uh, this fight game is is a little more complicated than than even we expected as far as being able to find fights and, and get it all locked in. So continue to follow on that. As soon as we get an actual date and a location, then I'll post it on the website. I'll post it on Facebook. We have made him a um, a Facebook page specifically for his fight career and it's gonna give people more access to just go look directly into his things. Just be looking at that and uh and we'll go from there. So on this week's episode I was really just gonna in the in the spirit of doing things kind of differently. Um I know last week you know the the format of the show was a little different. I dove right into um into telling you exactly what I think. Well this week I wanted to to do the same. Just jump in and, and give a little bit of tidbits. I don't usually talk about tactics much, but since it's FDIC going on and everything like that, people are going to be coming out with all different kinds of stuff. And I was just going to give you all, just it's real quick, but just give you all a couple little tools for your toolbox as far as tactics go. Things that I, I personally have worked on throughout my career. I'll give a disclaimer on this, as, as any, anybody that's sharing tactical information really should None of us are reinventing the wheel. Basically everybody that's teaching tactics out there right now, they've learned it from somebody before them. If they're trying to claim that they, (laughs) that they made it all up, then it may or may not, that may or may not be true. Everything that we do has been going on since Ben Franklin, you know, founded the fire service in the United States. We've, you know, renamed shit. We've, we've, Critique this and critique that, and seen what works, and done a ton of science and technology and studies and everything like that to try to figure out what exactly works better. But all this shit is the same. It just, um, it's up to the older guys, the more experienced guys, to pass it down to the younger generations, whether it's even your very simple and basic stuff or all the way up to, you know, extreme command mass casualty all those kind of things it's it's all up to us to pass it down to the younger guys so i was just going to give a couple little uh, tools for your toolbox of just little things that i i personally um you know make sure that my crews and everything are proficient on it's things that we work on when we're just looking for something to train or it's things that i make sure that that guys do just to make life easier on themselves so you know number one as far as the tactical thing goes It's very, very simple, but it's something that will save you a lot of heartache throughout your career. I do this in my personal life, and it's something I was taught years and years ago working EMS. To be honest, I don't even remember who even told me this, but it's something I've practiced by even when I was thinking about it today, actually. It's something I subconsciously do now, um, even on my kid's diaper bag, is you know, all of us carry different types of bags and stuff on the truck. Well, one thing that a guy taught me a long time ago is when you go to, you do your truck shakes in the morning and you go to zip your zippers back up on your back, put the zipper in the middle. Very simple. I know that sounds stupid, but just put your zipper in the middle. So many, so many times, you know, if it's two zippers, but so many times people will, you know, just and run it all the way around. And then you get on scene, things are hectic, people are hollering, hey, I mean, you know, get me King 2, get me BVM, blah, 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 blah. They're hollering all this stuff and you're looking at the bag and you're feeling around and you got your medical gloves on or you have, you know, work gloves on or something. You know, if it's a if it's a rope rescue bag or anything like that, you got gloves on you're trying to find and you can't get to the zipper because it's tucked in up underneath the little flap or something like that. And you don't know if it's on the right side or left side or if it's one of these crazy-ass bags that has fucking umpteen million zippers on it. And you're looking and it's just crazy. If you get in the habit in the mornings when you're doing your checks and you're checking off your medical equipment on your bag or everything like that, or especially if you have tagged out bags, zip your zippers to where they're right in the middle. So that way, you know, any call that you make, anytime you have to pull that bag, your zippers are right there in the very center. I I know that sounds very, very simple and it kind of sounds childish, but in the long run, It will save you. You know, Chief Reinwald talks all the time on uh, FD Tactics. He talks all the time about, you know, when seconds count, we count seconds. Well, searching for a damn zipper, that's seconds. And if somebody's choking and you're trying to get your airway shit out, seconds matter for damn sure. So, or if it's a rope rescue and you got somebody hanging and you need to get your equipment out of your bag, get your rigging all set up and be ready to go to make that, that rescue, seconds count. So, just do that little thing. Just, um, you know, take your zippers and, and put them in the middle. Um, if you can put a tag on it or whatever, and then tag it out right there. And it just, it'll make life super simple for you. Um, like I said, I know that's minuscule, but that's just one of the little tidbits that I do uh, on a daily basis in my personal life. And it just, it, it really helps. So, that's one little, little tactical toolbox, a little tidbit. I just thought I would share because somebody might have never heard that before. Uh, another thing that, I want people to really start working on is you know communications have come a long way we talk about fdic and how that has progressed the fire service on you know technological and and all these different aspects well one of the main things that has truly progressed in the fire service over the last i would really say 10 years definitely within my career has been uh communications equipment when i started You had one handheld on the truck, and the captain carried it. Firefighters didn't have a radio. Your captain had a radio to communicate with command, and that was it. And you stayed in your captain's back pocket the whole time. Uh, You know, you were on the nozzle as a firefighter. It was your job to be on the nozzle. The captain backed you up on the line, and they did all the radio traffic. So that was was really the standard. Well, in the last few years, we've really, department and fire service-wide, We've made a huge push because of some firefighter fatalities. You know, people being unable to make a mayday. They get separated from the cabin. They're out there by themselves. They get lost, disoriented, and the worst happens. We've made a huge push in a very positive direction to make sure that everyone is getting communication equipment. Everybody's being issued a radio. When you get to work in the mornings, you're getting your radio. You're putting in your gear. You're having that ability. But are we making a huge conscious effort in becoming proficient in that usage of that radio. One thing that I went over with all my crews and, and I learned this from a, from a Houston fire department guy that they do in their new hire academies is you get to the point where you're able to be blindfolded with your structure firefighting gloves on disoriented, and you still have to show your skills and abilities of being able to operate that radio no matter what and under any kind of blackout conditions or everything and what that kind of entails with is you really get familiar with working that radio so you you know where your knobs are you know where your if you have a working emergency button you know where that, that button is you're able to count so one thing that we we really worked on is you found your knobs you could feel your knobs you knew which side the antenna was versus what side your volume knob was and your channel knob was and you're able to work through those things even with your gloves on blindfolded and you can make sure that your volume is all the way up you can you learn to count clicks on your radio so you know for us channel 1 was that was a primary channel but that was the dispatch channel for everyone that was dispatched throughout our um, dispatch center. So you had like six different departments that would all be on on that primary channel. And then when you go, when you got dispatched on a call, they would assign you a tac channel, whether it was tac two tac three tac four, whatever. So if you had a working and fire and they'd say, you know, this such, such engine, my engine switched to tac three. Well, that meant that you were running your scene on TAC three. I don't know if every, you know, every that listens to this operates under that same kind of format for how you do your radio traffic, but that's how how we did it. So you would you'd listen, you get your call, and then you'd swap over your tap channel and the captain would check in route when the when the engine went in route or the ladder went in route. That's what we would do. And then the whole scene you're running that. Well if you become disoriented inside a house and you have your radio either in your jacket. I personally have done both. I've worn my radio in my jacket because I worked at some departments at the Fire Chiefs didn't like leather straps and they didn't allow leather straps uh but currently i do have a leather strap because i prefer at this point in my career of of learning what i've learned to have my radio under my coat rather than on the outside um just because of what i've learned from from some you know research from firefighter fatalities where their lapel mics and shit got melted and cooked in the fire and then it locked it open and they were unable to communicate so i try to keep that stuff protected and there's further information for those of you that want to know what i'm talking about but I like to keep it protected underneath my gear. So I started wearing a leather, a leather radio strap. Plus it just gives me a little tradition and personalization, you know, for who I am in the fire service. It's got my name on it. It has my personal logo that I have on all my, you know, my leather shit and all that kind of stuff. So I keep all that underneath there. Well, I have to be able to work and know, okay, well, in my, in my leather strap, the radio is this way. So these are how my knobs are. So when I go to click, I got to learn if I roll it all the way back to the left, well, that puts me back to one. Then I count one click is channel two, two clicks is channel three, three kicks, channel four, and so on and so forth all the way to where, you know, I get to my assigned tack channel for whatever incident I'm on. You know, you can bump that knob and it can roll. Now you can lock them, but how many of us actually spend the time to lock the radio out when we get dispatched to a call and whether you know because depending on what call you're on or what other departments around you have a working incident they may be assigned so you can't really pre-assign yourself to TAC 2 or TAC 3 or TAC 4 because you don't know every single call that you roll on you're assigned a different TAC channel that's just that was the downfall about how that system was set up so you couldn't log. Go ahead and lock your radio out. But when then you're going in route, how many of us make a, a conscious effort to go in to lock our radio so we don't have that problem? Or if you're at a scene and there's a mayday and they call and they say, you know, all ra- all you know, radio traffic goes to emergency mode. No trade radio traffic is assigned to this because the mayday call was done on tac two. So we're going to leave tac two open for that mayday down firefighter. Everybody else, take your traffic to tac four. Well, you're all geared out, you got your gear on, you got your gloves on, all that kind of shit. You're going to have to learn to be able to swap your radio over on the fly to get to your assigned channel. So, being able to work that radio and really become proficient in knowing where you are, where your buttons are, everything like that, how to operate. You can't if you're inside a, a fire, you can't just look down, take your gloves off, pull your radio out, look at your screen and look and count it over to channel 4. You need to know how to do that shit on the fly whether it's in your pocket or whether it's in your in your uh, radio holster. So, just a little tidbit when it comes to that. That's something that I personally made sure that firefighters on my crew were proficient with. I found that that was, you know, to me that's very important as far as, you know, as an officer, it's your job to make sure your guys get home. Well, making sure that they can communicate and make sure they can give a proper proper mayday. If that situation occurs, that all comes down to them being proficient in working their radio. So if you have an officer that doesn't, doesn't know that and thought about that, that's something, you know, above their head or not in their scope, however you want to put it, then take it upon yourself to use this information I've got. And if you have questions, exactly what I'm talking about, then, then shoot me a message and, and I can definitely explain it further in detail, or you can go look it up. I mean, like I said before, I, I this information comes from other people that came before me. So I'm sure there's probably a million YouTube videos out there for this shit. I just haven't personally seen them, but I haven't searched it. So, you know, but get proficient in using your radio that it truly can save your life, save a citizen's life or save your partner's life, which is what we're here to do. Uh, And and the last thing I'm going to cover, I'll save other little stuff for, you know, further episodes. But the last thing I want to cover is something that is, goes for everybody on the truck as well, whether it's the officer, whether it's the driver, firefighter, whatever. I don't give a shit. This is something that's super important, and a lot of people probably don't even know it. It's something that I can usually tell if an officer is full of shit when I ask them. Um, I've asked this in several interviews for people whenever I was on an interview panel. Like, hey, what, is this? what does this mean, or, or why would you do this? Uh, and you can find out usually if somebody's full of shit or if they have any kind of experience by asking this question, and if they hesitate and they don't know the answer, then you'll know that that maybe it's something that they don't know and they don't know everything. Every fire station in the United States, as far as I know, I haven't ever seen one. Pretty much all of them have a flagpole out in the front, some capacity. Now there are departments out there they may not have the funds or whatever, and they don't have one up, or they may not have put a flag up because they don't have you know new flags or whatever. I don't know, but anyway. Every department, a station that I ever worked at had a flagpole out front. One thing I like to ask people is, how can you use that flag on a day-to-day basis besides just being a patriotic American? Well, something that people can do, and a lot of people don't know the answer to this question, but I'm going to tell you. That flag, every single time that you roll out on a call, whether it's a medical call, whether it's a hazmat call, whether it's a fire especially, glance over, out the window of that truck, rolling out, because you already know what direction your station is facing. Look and see what direction that flag is blowing. That's your wind direction. There's a lot of up and down stuff. It's been talked about at FDIC. Some people agree with it. Some people don't. Whatever. Uh, The claims, you know, today will be as far as whether people believe in wind-driven fires or not. But wind direction is very important. The power of the wind, you know, however, what the velocity of that wind is very important. And the the flagpole outside your fire station will tell you every bit of that. You know, if that sucker is laid down flat and limp, then you don't have much to worry about. But if it is blowing wide-ass open in a certain direction... Well, you just got to keep that in mind by knowing your district, what direction that is. That way, when you get on scene, you can start really thinking about, okay, well, shit, you know, if we're making an attack from this direction, I'm going to be fighting the wind, regardless of what people want to say about it. I have my own personal beliefs because I've had to deal with it on a on a very serious level. Wind can affect fire drastically. For those of you that uh that you know fight a lot of rural area top fires with grass fires and woods fires, they'll tell you all day long wind matters big time so use that fire flagpole outside your fire station every single time you look up glance you'll know what what the wind is looking like and that way when you get on scene it's just one more thing to help you or you're not getting that tunnel vision you have a little bit more situational awareness on what you're dealing with you're being able to use all of your environment you know if if the wind is pushing And it's, you have, say you roll up on an alpha side, the wind is blowing from the alpha side, pushing out. You can actually use the wind to go because you know that it's not going to be, the wind, if it's with you, it's going to help you and it's not going to be pushing against you. You can go roll right out, go down to, you know, towards your Charlie direction and push that fire run on out the window and go. It can really help you now. I've been in a situation where the shit, the wind was coming right at us. We rolled in on the alpha side, and it was pushing it right through the attic, right at us. And it made for a really long fucking night. So that's something that you uh, that you have to take into account. So using that that flag outside your your fire station, truly use it as like a windsock. You know, in an in industrial setting, we had windsocks all over the plant. Something that we had to really be concerned with there was gas releases, hazmat, all that kind of stuff. So we literally had, I don't know, eight or ten wind socks all around the unit that we used on an everyday basis to figure out, you know, if we had a leak of some poisonous gas, toxic gas, you look up and see, okay, well, you know, this is the area that we need to evacuate all the personnel to before we go in. You know, that's something that's super important on hazmat is wind direction. Well, that flagpole outside your station is a perfect example for that. And it's right there. A lot of people just don't know it. They just think, you know, oh, it's just the American flagpole. It's just for us, the Texas flagpole, whatever. People don't think about that stuff, but it's right there. It's a perfect tool. So that's three little tactical uh, tidbits that I thought I would share with y'all and, you know, things that y'all can put in your toolbox for in the future and things that y'all can work on. Like I said, FDIC 2023 is going on right now. Y'all keep a good, good look on that. Follow it on uh, on Facebook and everything else that is posted all over, and, and soak up all that information. Especially for you young guys that are listening to the show, just getting into the fire service and wanting to learn a lot. There's a lot of great information that comes out of that every single year. You know, I've learned from that every year myself watching the watching the leadership seminars and all those kind of things. It's all things that you can. Just soak it up like a sponge and, and build your own style. And, uh, you know, like Chief Rhodes said, put all that shit and put it where it's you and you're walking in your own shoes. You're your own person. Soak all that up and and use it for your advantage and to be able to, uh, you know, progress your career and, and learn and do all that you can. So anyway, well, that's uh, that's about all I have for tonight. It's going to be a little quick episode, but I just wanted to uh, to share all that with y'all and... Let you know what what we kind of had going on with RJ and the third alarm fighter. So, anyways, well, y'all, uh, be sure and share the show. <clears throat> it's steadily growing every day. The show is steadily growing every day. Get more and more people following it. More people on on Spotify and Apple that are that are subscribing. Y'all continue to please do that. Leave us a review. Uh, the reviews are super important. And, you know, share all the content on Facebook. Just continue to help us get the word out and everything that we can do to try to try to help the fire service and, and make firefighters better. Y'all go to thirdalarmcowboys.com and, and get your shirts ordered. I still have some left. I'm really ready to uh, to get a new uh, design out to you guys. I just need to, need to get the, the shirts that I have sold for the most part for me to be able to do that. And I really think that y'all are going to like the designs that we have coming up in the future very patriotic and very, um, some of them are a little comical and it's things that I think all of you will really enjoy. So y'all, uh, y'all should follow us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and continue to share the show. See you on the next one. Made me try to lose my way, but well, I won't stumble. Put you right back in your place, just like old Wayland said. Outlaw, big guy.